one of the things that I've habits I've picked up from successful people, they tell people what they want to do or what they're looking for. So they'll give you an answer. And then you have to figure out how can I add something to what they want to accomplish. You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. And now, here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, Annie, how's it going? Good. How are you this morning, Julie? I'm doing all right. And I got in late last night on my flight, got back from Hawaii. I was there for the weekend, as you know, um, for a family thing. But uh, but yeah. How was that, it? Quick it was trip good. to Hawaii? Yeah, it was good. It was strange because the week before I was in New York. And then so I was like freezing with the snow. And then like right. five days later, I'm like, you know, basking in the sun with my shave ice. So yeah, <laughs> I think I know which one I would prefer out of those. Yeah, two. <laughs> yeah. I think I know too. yeah. What about you? What have you been up to? How was your weekend? Well, yesterday we took me and one of my mom friends took our kids to paint pottery. Oh, fun. Which, you know, when you have little girls, it's like, you're like, oh, painting pottery, it'll be so nice. And, you know, they'll sit down and they'll just color and paint for like hours. Right. With little boys, it's a little different. They're like pretty much like knocking over the pottery as they're <laughs> stomping through the store. And I'm like, no, 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 slow your bus, Push, keep your hands to yourself, choose one piece. And they're over there and they're like, get the big brushes and like doing these big strokes. And they're like, I'm done. I'm hungry. And I'm like, oh, yeah. no peace. Yeah. Like you can't enjoy it. So I uh, know I'm starting to learn that there's a big difference between girls and boys. I, yeah. I have two girls that are older and I'm starting to realize that you know, talking to other mom friends who have boys, they're like, no, 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 you can't do that with boys. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, on we've got a great show today. Yes. Today we're talking to the one, the only MC Lobsher. And MC is a creator and host of the popular and top-rated business and investing podcast, Cashflow Ninja, which is hugely popular. And he also has a brand new podcast called Cashflow Investing Secrets. And we talk about all these great cash flow tips he's got on this show. But Julie, you've got a great history with MC yeah. and his podcast, right? Yeah, it was so, so cool to have him on the show. It's so He's just filled with like so much knowledge and information about you know, he literally is the cash flow ninja. I mean, this guy like knows so much about how to make your money work the hardest as it possibly can for you. And that when I heard, I used to listen to his podcast years ago, two or three years ago when I was commuting to my job and I would spend, you know, two or three hours a day on the road listening to his podcast among others. But I remember when I heard him say that, that he wanted to make sure that the money that he had was working as hard as it possibly could 
was when it was just like a mind blowing thing for me because I was like, oh my gosh, like it, so much of like has this feel of rich dad, poor dad of like, you know, this idea of putting your money to work for you. But then he took it a step further and said, you want it to work as hard as it possibly could, right? So you don't want it to just go out there and make, you know, a 5% return. You want it to go out there and make a 20% return or more. And so he talks a lot about the infinite banking strategies. And that's where I first learned about it, which I now use in my own personal family economy. And it's been, uh, it's been great. So all of my investments now have like a little extra boost because of this strategy. Um, so super excited to have him on the show. Uh, great guest and lots of wisdom for sure. So without further ado, here is our conversation with MC Lapsher. Enjoy. MC, how are you? I'm doing fantastic. So excited to be on with you guys. I wanted to ask, so you currently live in Pennsylvania, but yep. you didn't always call the U.S. home. In fact, you grew up very far away from Pennsylvania in South Africa. So you grow up there, you go to college in South Africa, and then you get your MBA. So then logically, of course, you're thinking, oh, well, I live in South Africa. I got my MBA. The next step is I go to the United States. Right? <laughs> so what brought you to the States? It's so far away from home. And at the time, you know, what were your plans? Were you intending on staying long term or was it a short visit? Uh, I was traveling at that at that time. So I left South Africa and you know, what a lot of folks did is they call it so almost sort of a gap year, right? Where folks would travel and seek out different experiences in different parts of the world, maybe do something different. So the gap year that I wanted to take would be just to travel. And then there was a rugby league that I found was in the United States. So, and I was a rugby player. I had a scholarship at college for playing rugby. So I ended up playing in a rugby league in the United States, which was just a phenomenal experience. Great people that I met. A lot of friends made a lot of fun memories, but initially it was not going to be permanently at all. It was just uh, traveling, seeing different places, meeting new people. And, you know, once you get to the United States, you know, uh, uh, especially when you travel quite a bit, you're just blown away with the opportunity in this country, the different level of thinking, you know, people think extremely big here, which is Amazing. <laughs> That's why all these amazing things happen in the United States, right? So initially it was just, I had a, a backpack, a suitcase, you know, a sense of humor and a sense of adventure and about a hundred bucks, I think 500 bucks or something total I had. And was just, that's when I came to the United States and just wanted to travel. And, you know, the one thing led to another and, you know, here I am almost uh, two decades later, right? Now that I think about it, it was 2001 when I first came. So now I wow. live in, as you guys mentioned, in Newtown, Pennsylvania, which is in between New York City and Philadelphia, 45 minutes from Philly, hour and a half from New York. My wife is from this area. She grew up here uh, and we have uh, two little kiddos here. Wow. So you come to the United States, you're thinking like, okay, well, I'm just going to travel and see what this place is all about. I've heard a lot about it and you're playing rugby and you're meeting lots of new people. And so then are you in one place or are you traveling all over the country? I started in one place, actually in Philly. So it's full circle coming back. Um, I played in San Diego and then also played in Chicago for most of the time. I actually lived in 12 years there. But uh, one thing that happened while I was playing sports is I am very fond of history and economics. 
And I've always tried to study a lot of economics and history because they kind of overlap. So you don't really get a full view of the world just studying one without the other because there's a lot of correlations between them. And when you bring in money to them too, now all of a sudden you get you get the picture of mm -hmm. what actually really happened, right? If you understand that the Federal Reserve was created in 1913, and the next thing you know, there's the First World War, and you look at what was going on in the European economies at that stage, now you get a big picture of why there actually was a war in the first place, how the war was funded, and what was going on. So you kind of bring those things together. So I always studied, and during that, my mom actually gave me the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad to read, and that took me down the money rabbit hole to try and learn as much as I can. So while I was traveling and uh, playing in different leagues and, and flying around, I studied a lot. I read, studied, and was very, very interested in investing uh, in money. I became very interested in real estate, um, which I bought my first property shortly after reading that book about I think three or four months later. So I, <laughs> I, I dove right in. <laughs> yeah, this young, energetic guy that just discovered something new and now he took action, right? But yeah, and, and, and that's been kind of the story too of just keeping studying, learning, trying to, um, how can I say, strive for mastery, if that makes sense. You know, mm -hmm. one thing, the cash flow ninja, a lot of folks ask me, where, where does that come from? I actually have a dad, which is a pretty famous martial artist. He travels to about eight to 10 countries per year, just teaching martial arts. And what I've seen firsthand from him is his pursuit uh, of mastery in his craft every single day. So he's never going to arrive in perfection, right? Just as we would never arrive in knowledge, mm -hmm. you know, that would be kind of silly. It would be like, hey, I just got a college degree. I know everything there is to know. I arrived in knowledge. Right. That doesn't happen. So that's always been kind of my philosophy. Um, and even dear early in the early days when I got here too. Yeah. So you kind of got the the ninja part, the martial arts part from your dad. And it sounds like your mom was the one who gave you the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. So yep. what, were your parents, did you learn a lot about money and investing growing up? I grew up in a middle class family. So my mom actually, there was a as we've learned over the last 20 years, there's a lot of Ponzi schemes. There's a lot of financial fraud in financial markets. Mm -hmm. A lot of companies going bankrupt. And I don't know if you guys remember, but back in around about that time, 2001 to two, there were so many companies going under. You know, I could just think of WorldCom, Enron. There was all these financial fraudulent, uh, you know, uh, organizations. The same thing happened in South Africa. There were several of them too. It was actually not just in the U.S. The U.S. gets you know the slap because it's the biggest and you know, the companies here are bigger, but it was all over the world. Same thing in South Africa. Um, so what happened was as my parents went through a lot of pain because they had invested in one of these, these companies, my mom actually saw the book inside of a bookstore under the finance section and she picked it up. It looked interesting. I mean, rich dad, poor dad, who's not going <laughs> to at least read the, the, the cover, right? Yeah. So she read that. It kind of changed um, the way that she looked at things, you know, because we all grew up middle class and my parents did too. And then when she handed the book to me, she said, you know, this is what's happening to us right now. You know, read this because, you know, you, there might be a different path for you ahead. You never want to be in the situation that we are right now. And that was 20 something years ago. It was a, it was a pretty 
pretty tough time for them, for a lot of folks that were involved in, in, in those, uh, you know, turbulent financial markets globally. But yeah, no, I grew up middle class. There's really good things that I learned, uh, not necessarily with relation to money, but things that I, that I can apply to business and money, right? So I mentioned my dad, the discipline, right? The pursuit of a mastery in his craft daily. And then, uh, you know, my mom too, that willing to learn new things and willing to look at different paths, right? Mm-hmm. She came to a crossroads and she was willing to look at a different alternative because what they've done up until then just didn't work. So there's many, many different things, but I think it's such a great question that you asked because money is such a taboo topic that mm-hmm. it's not spoken about. You're perceived as being arrogant when you talk about it, I guess, in some circles or just speaking about it generally, or then a lot of families don't talk about it. Is that the same in South Africa and the U- U.S.? Have you, have you seen a major, like a difference in the way that people perceive money, their relationship with money here in your circles in the U.S. versus back home in South Africa? I think it's all over the world. Like a lot of families are uh, still uh, just because, you know, there's a lot of similarities in school systems in what you see in financial media, in what you see with marketing, right? The, the big marketing machine of financial markets and financial institutions. So it's kind of very similar-ish, the thinking where it's still a, a topic that's not discussed openly. Mm-hmm. You know, um, just think about it this way. It's kind of crazy where folks would go into a doctor's office and not to get to graphic, but people would basically take off all their clothes for the doctor basically to help them and find mm-hmm. a cure where when it comes to money, nobody wants to get quote unquote financially naked mm-hmm. and share and reach out for help and say, here's the issues and troubles that I'm, that I'm having with money. Here's my financial statements. How can I do things better? Or how can I, what can I change? Right? Mm-hmm. So it's just a completely different mindset where we would, give our deepest and darkest secrets to one individual to help us in one area of our lives, but we wouldn't do it in another area. And this is all part of uh, holistic wealth as I look at it, you know, health, relationships, you know, money, it's all part of the, the bigger picture. So tell us a little bit more about that. Like, what do you do at Cashflow Ninja? How are you helping people? I know I've been a longtime listener um, of Cashflow Ninja, implemented numerous strategies that you've talked about on your podcast. So tell us a little bit more about how, you know, what you're doing is maybe different from a financial advisor, um, because I think that's really important for people to understand um, and how you might be able to help people get to where they're trying to go faster? Like what strategies and things are you using? Yeah, absolutely. So Cashflow Ninja is a podcast where we share how to create, protect, and multiply your wealth in any economy. And it's everything cash flow related. So we interview a lot of very successful business owners, investors, wealth experts to bring a wide variety of ideas on the platform. And sometimes, you know, the ideas might be one person might share this strategy and the other person might might not like that strategy. Mm-hmm. But we want to put both ideas out there because that forces one to think right. and get, you know, think critically of everything that we present. So the platform is there. We've done over 550 episodes, I think, published by now. Wow. So we've done that for, for almost four years and we share, you know, 
whether it's businesses, you know, e-commerce, starting online businesses, whether it's real estate, all different types of niches, uh, whether it's commodities, whether crypto and blockchain we actually cover to paper assets and more. So that's an educational platform. And there's a lot of exciting things ahead still with that that we keep on developing. And by the way, if you have access to a smartphone and you have access to the internet in some way, shape or form, you have access to all of that very powerful uh, strategies that we that we share, um, which is great to see. You know, when you could see uh, listeners reach out to you from around the world, it's quite amazing. And we've got quite a, a, a listener base in Africa too, not just South Africa, which is uh-huh. just amazing because smartphones. I don't think a lot of folks in North America know, but how big smartphones are, especially on the continent of Africa. So a lot of folks do their banking on there. I mean, they do everything through a smartphone. Um, and many, many folks have smartphones, but they don't have necessarily computers, right? Yeah. So that's been very, very, very great to, to, do, to do that. That's the educational platform. And we've got some courses that we're rolling out. We've got a, a separate edutainment platform that we're looking at. And then uh, Producers Wealth is... I call it a wealth creation company because it's not a wealth management company. We don't manage any money. We just uh, help folks with strategies. And then also there's an insurance brokerage component of it where we set up infinite banking, which is basically using insurance vehicles to warehouse money in very efficiently. Uh, there's a lot, lot of uh, reasons why we do that. But we set these up for business owners and investors um, so that their capital is positioned more efficiently to use to grow their own business, to grow their own investments instead of growing someone else's business or growing you know, someone, someone else's companies and, and, and investments. So it's all outside of Wall Street, which is, you know, when I first started, it's done virtually, by the way, too. We have clients in 50 states with producers' wealth. So about four and a half, five years ago when I started it, it was, you know, it was tough in the beginning because a lot of folks looked at it and said, you're going to start up this financial company, but it's virtually uh-huh. like who would want to do business with someone virtually, right? <laughs> so now everyone's doing it. So in our, our company has seen that growth, but yeah, we are, our, our big um, goal there is to, to maximize cash flow, obviously for business owners and investors, position their capital more efficiently to increase and keep growing their cash flow. And, um, yeah, it's it's all done out outside of Wall Street. So folks that are involved with that, you know, regardless what happened in the stock market or the economy, they're going to be in a great position to keep producing and creating and growing their businesses and their investments. So tell us a little bit more real quick about that, about the whole life insurance policies. I think where I first learned about it was from Cashflow Ninja. And, you know, the one thing that stood out to me when you first started talking about it was that you wanted to make sure that your money was working as hard as it possibly could for you. And that, like, like that stands out in my mind. It's still something I think about every day when I think about where to put my investments. So, but when I bring up whole life insurance policies to people, it's like, they're just shut down, right? They're like, nope, I don't know what that is, but it sounds (laughs) super risky and I don't want to do it. So tell us, you know, in, in five minutes, like tell us what, how does it work? How does one get familiar with it? Why does somebody want to use it? How does it positively impact cash flow and all of that good stuff? Yeah. And to your point, uh, there was someone that actually said to me, MC, if they didn't call this life insurance, there would be a line around the block outside of your office, people ready to sign up. But because it has the life insurance component that completely messes with our mind because of the programming, right? So 
Here's the central theme of what you're doing. And I love talking about this. It's collateralizing an asset to acquire and use to acquire other assets and grow your business. So what do I mean? People would say collateralization. I said, most people are already doing this. They just don't understand the cash flow, the way that money is moving. I'll give you an example. So you could actually use your business through a credit line, which in which you collateralize the receivables, the assets and equipment of your business to get a credit line to grow your business. You might even use that money to invest outside of your business and yeah. buy the building that your business is in. Right. So what did you just do? Well, you collateralize your business, your receivables, right? And your, your assets to buy the building for your business. Mm-hmm. You used one asset to acquire another one. Folks in real estate are already doing this through HELOCs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, refinancing. So let's just say you bought an investment property, you fixed it up, you started renting it out. Now there's equity in there. You use a HELOC to access the equity in the property. Now you can go and buy another property or you just cash out refi, refinance the property and buy another one. What did you do? You used one asset to acquire another one. You could do this with stocks. It's called asset-based lending. Very, very risky. So do your homework, but there's actually banks that would give you a loan secured by stock portfolio. There's financial institutions that will give you a loan uh, secured by your gold, silver, and art, commodity-based financing, right? Mm -hmm. There's financial institutions that would give you, there's actually a company now, again, super risky. I don't endorse any of this. I'm just trying to, to share and educate cryptocurrencies. So you can actually put your Bitcoin up, collateralize that and buy real estate with your Bitcoin. You can believe that. Again, just very interesting. The the central theme is collateralization. So what you're doing with a life insurance, a dividend paying whole life insurance contract is exactly the same. So let's just compare it to real estate because this might make sense for folks. And I think when I explain it like this, a lot of folks say, oh, I, I understand it now. So with a real estate investment property, let's just say you're going to buy one, you Mm -hmm. get a mortgage and you pay the mortgage over time to own the property free and clear. Mm -hmm. With a life insurance contract, there's premiums that you pay every single year. Mm -hmm. And eventually you would own the contract free and clear. There's Mm -hmm. different timeframes. You know, we're not going to overcomplicate it, but let's just say you make payments and you own the contract free and clear the same as the property. With an investment property, if done properly, the value of the property actually appreciates every single year as the rent increases, right? And the management's done correctly. The same thing with the life insurance contract where the death benefit actually appreciates every single year. So the value of the contract uh, increases. The other thing with real estate and life insurance is when you're making mortgage payments and you're paying down the principal and you're paying down the interest, you start to build equity inside of the property. The Mm -hmm. same thing with the life insurance contract, only the way that it's structured and it should be structured with infinite banking is the equity builds up much, much quicker. Mm -hmm. So as you're making premium payments, more than 70% should be going straight to equity from year one, all the payments that you're making and you're building equity. So with real estate, you can access the equity Mm -hmm. inside of that property through, let's just say a HELOC right? Which is a credit line secured by the equity in the property. And let's just say it's 5% interest only, right? The same thing with a life insurance contract where you can access up to 90% of the equity Mm -hmm. that's built into the contract. Well, now in cash value, 
through a policy loan at 5%. And you can actually use that money to then invest in real estate, invest in your business and more. So and then with real estate, here's the great thing. And this is, this is why you guys love it too. When you pay all of the expenses at the end of the month and there's money left, it's positive cash flow. Mm-hmm. The same thing with the life insurance contract with a mutual insurance carrier with a policy owner's own the company. They're the shareholders. When the company is profitable, they distribute a dividend at the end of the year to the policyholders. And then, of course, the tax advantages with real estate, we don't have to go into that, but depreciation, cost segregation, all these other different things. With a life insurance contract, not only is the money put in there guaranteed and contractually is growing every single year, but it also grows tax-free and can be accessed tax-free. So the policy loans are tax-free, dividends are tax-free, and then the distribution and the end can be tax-free, and this can all be done through strategies. So that's essentially what you're doing is you've created your own quote-unquote banking system using the insurance contract. And by the way, there's so many similarities between real estate and the two. When you combine these two, Mm -hmm. super powerful. If you just warehouse your money in the insurance contracts, your investment bank, your family bank, or your business bank, leverage it to acquire more and more real estate and have the cash flow from the real estate then go back, paying down the policy loans like you would do with a a HELOC, it becomes very, very powerful. Um, And it's a very powerful savings mechanism as part of an overall strategy in a system. So tell us how that works. Like, let's say somebody's listening right now and they say, this sounds great, MC. I'm, I want to do this. I want to do the life insurance thing. I want to buy real estate. What, are, what do they do first? How does it work? Do they open a policy first? Do they buy the home first? Like, kind of walk us through that. Because I, I know when I first started, yep. you know, I was like, okay, this sounds great, but... I don't even know where to start. Do I go buy the house first, which I did, you know, and then I opened up the insurance policy and then realized I probably should have done it the other way around. So, so tell us how that, how it works like logistically. Yeah. So a lot of the folks that work with us, they position their capital first. So they would open the policies first and fund these policies to build up a significant amount of cash value that they then deploy and use to acquire real estate. Okay. Um, How long does that period take? So you say, you know, build up the cash flow. How long are we talking about? A year, six months, five years? You should be able to access the cash value in the contracts within the first month, I would say. So it it all depends. You would, we would sit down and see how much capital they want to move in there. How can we move it in effectively? If they're going to start a savings plan, we've got, you know, everyone's on different paths, right? right? So some folks are starting somewhere and they just want to build up capital. By the way, a great time to build up capital. Mm-hmm. So you can build up capital over, t- you know, for the for the next, you know, six months to a year to two years. Mm-hmm. They know there are the folks that they're ready to invest. They've got the resources. They just need to move it inefficiently and then deploy it for investments. Right. So there's different strategies for all of them. This is one vehicle where this is not a one size fits all. Uh, strategy. It has to be very specific to what you're looking to accomplish, to what you're doing. There's very rarely, there's one case that's exactly the same as the others because we're all have different goals. We're all in different timeframes. A lot of our clients are in different asset classes. So there's different needs of capital Mm -hmm. uh, that they're looking to invest. There's active investors, there's passive investors. So it all depends based on you. So I would say, you know, number one, get, get educated, 
And number two, build a solid uh, base, the foundational base, which is this. For us, you know, we have a family bank, as I mentioned to you. This is where we warehouse our capital. And mm-hmm. then the next thing step is to, to deploy it. So there's four pillars that I always talk about. The first one, uh, and it's, there's a warning alert. There's a lot of C's coming <laughs> besides MC. But the first one is cash creation. We all make our money somehow in some capacity, whether you're working right now, whether you have your own business, mm-hmm. um, whether you're just a contractor. We all have an ability that we create and produce for the marketplace. That's how we make our money. The mm-hmm. next thing is cash capture. Where do we capture, quote unquote, the value that we created? Mm-hmm. We do it through z- these insurance contracts and also like gold and silver, uh, mm-hmm. just as a he- hedge for wealth insurance. Mm-hmm. The third one is cash flow creation. Now that we've made our money, we've protected it and warehouse it and position our capital efficiently. Now we're going out and we're creating cash flow by investing into great assets such as income producing real estate. And then the fourth pillar that we talk about, which by the way, it's this one, I usually say this is spread at the bottom across all three, because it's by no means should be this be lost on your list, but we call it cash control. That's a proper tax strategy. So have a tax member on your team that's playing at the level that you want to play at, right? And then asset protection, estate planning, you know, all the different things. I would even uh, place certain types of other insurances underneath that too. Mm -hmm. For example, if you're a business owner working, I would put disability insurance there, right? Protecting your ability to produce and create. That's the foundational stuff. But, you know, that's the framework also that we teach at Cashflow Ninja and that we continue to teach because when you look at those four pillars and especially if folks are planning or trying to set up a strategy for themselves for the next year, look at those four pillars Take an inventory of where you are at right now and then set goals for yourself in each, uh, you know, in, on each pillar, you know, whether it is to increase your income, whether it's to position your capital more efficiently, uh, self-direct IRAs or qualified retirement plans that you have, mm-hmm. setting up a family bank through insurance contracts, having some gold and silver, whether it's studying about the assets that you're going to invest for, for cash flow, And then of course, having all of your ducks in a row with tax strategy, with uh, estate planning and, and also asset protection and so forth. We'll get back to our conversation with MC Lobsher in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. 
We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day. Because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now, back to our chat with MC Lobsher. So now that you've had, I'm curious, now that you've had over 550 conversations with wealth builders, wealth strategists, financial advisors, if you were to go back to the beginning when your mom handed you that little purple book and knowing what you know now with these four pillars, give us quickly like the first few things that you would do to set yourself up for success and perhaps on a faster journey than you took organically. Yes, that's a great question. Here's what I would do. And this would probably cut down a lot of years of time. (laughs) Because the one thing that I've learned is if you can fast track yourself by buying time if you if you want to put it that way that's how you're going to significantly speed up the process and you guys are great examples of that by the way what you've been able to accomplish is just amazing so you first i would start with the recipe your mental capital times your relationship capital will produce financial capital so those are your two big assets so your assets is yourself right? Your uh, mental and intellectual capital, your skill sets, what you know, your ability to produce and create value to the world. And we all do it differently. And then your the relationships and the networks that you're in. So I would try and find someone that's already doing what you want to do. And I would try and if I, at that stage, well, if I was younger too, and maybe I don't have the money, I would try and find a way that I can add value to network groups, mastermind groups, uh, mentors, you know, at meetups or different networks that you're in to try and get in as close as I can to the folks that are already doing it. Because number one, they've already done it. If they didn't have a mentor showing them how to do it, they sort of have figured this out now and can tell you, don't do X, Y, and Z, do ABC. Here's what worked for me. Here's what doesn't, you know, what didn't work. You would really cut out a lot of time just by doing that. There's an ex- someone I'm thinking of right now. I see him doing exactly this. It's a young guy. He's in our network. He, uh, how can I say, like, it's just quite incredible, his energy and how he's willing to volunteer and help out in certain projects with, where some folks would, would look at him and say, why is he doing that? I mean, from taking pictures to cameras to do you name a task and this guy will do it. He's very young, but this has gotten him into a network and a group where he now comes out to the meetups. He has access to some of the best investors in our area. I mean, I'm looking forward to seeing where this, this young man's going to go um, mm-hmm. because he's, he doesn't have any money yet, but he's figured out a way by doing things and, and, and providing value to other folks of getting closer to folks that are doing and have already done what he's looking to do. So that's what, that's what I would share. Smart guy. Sounds like, uh, you know, Very and, it's smart not, guy. and it comes back to what you were saying about, you know, knowing what you're good at and knowing what right. you're willing to do. And it's not just, you know, cause we've had people approach us and say, how can we help? 
And it's hard to think, you know, well, let me just give you all the tasks because I don't know what you can do, right? But to have somebody who's not only got the energy, but also the drive to figure out where he can plug himself in, that's, I think, key. Right. And also, here's what I would say to your listeners too. Ask this question. If you are around a successful person, what are your goals for, you know, we're almost here in the you know, 2020. What are your goals for 2020? What are the things you're working on? What's important to you? And trust me, successful people will tell you, you know, that's why one of the things that I've habits I've picked up from successful people, they tell people what they want to do or what they're looking for. So they'll give you an answer. And then you have to figure out how can I add something to what they want to accomplish? Right. You know, so like, for example, just thinking of what this young gentleman is doing, there's a lot of folks that's needing help with videoing something and pictures and social media. They didn't tell him to do that. He just started doing that and sending yeah. the pictures to them and yeah. uploading it to social media, tagging them in that. What do they do with it? They share it. And all of a sudden, before you know it, you know, I mean, he uh, he's done a lot of that stuff for me. I didn't even ask him, you know, in a couple of conferences to do something. He was right there recording it, taking pictures, sending me stuff, you know, and, and I needed at that stage. There, I had so many things going on, but what I actually needed is, hey, I want to capture some of the moments of some of the stuff that I'm talking about. I don't have someone that can do it. He saw that. He didn't ask me. He just yeah. said, hey, I took all these pictures and videos and all this stuff. I've uploaded it and tagged it. I'll send it all over to you, which I just thought, you know, right there, he figured out what I want. I needed because, yeah. Um, yeah, it's very tough sometimes when there's so many things for successful folks that they've got going on of exactly what they need at that given point in time. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like that's so true, not only for entrepreneurs and their needs, but also for, you know, if you're a W-2 employee, you know, to be yeah. able to think with that kind of mindset, it's going to take you so much farther, so much faster. If you can just figure out, you know, what are the top three things that this company needs me to do and you deliver and then some on those top three things, you're going to advance so much farther and have so much more other, uh, you know, perks and benefits, I think, than, than your other peers who are maybe working, you know, extra long hours that, you know, don't get it, you know? So I yep. think that's so important even for W2 people as well. So... Love Absolutely. That. Cool. Should we roll into it, Annie? Let's do it. So we're going to transition now to our investing for good impact round. We're going to ask you three questions that we ask every guest. Are you ready, MC? I am ready. Okay, great. So the first question is about how you invest in yourself. So what is the one way that your investments are allowing you to live a better life? So one of the things that I've realized too over the past year is how important time is. And uh, so the way that I'm currently investing in the next two months is investments that free up my time. Mm -hmm. So besides financially, it's also the, you know, team members that I'm bringing on. An executive assistant is, ex for example, a good one. I've had assistants, but I'm actually, this person will be my right-hand person. Nice. Um, freeing up a ton of stuff, which gives me more time. So at once, at some stage, you're going to get to a certain point where, yes, cash flow is great, but now time becomes very, very important because I've, you know, I've got two young children and I've got my wife and I want to spend more time with my family. So that's the main investment that I'm making right now. Investments that free up more time. 
I love that. Love that. I mean, you can always make more money, but even the richest people in the world, they have the same 24 hours that the rest of us have. So you can't, can't make more time. That's right. right. Absolutely. All right. So next question, what about investing in others? So let's talk about one investment strategy or a hack that you can share that will make an impact in our listeners' lives right now. Yes. So I touched on collateralization uh, earlier on, and I think it's so important because I think, number one, if you're a real estate investor, there's a ton of ideas of where to look for capital and talk to investors about capital, right? And number two, here's a strategy of how to, for example, pay off debt that I'm currently using. So there's uh, still some student debt that we have, right? So instead of just paying off the debt with cash and now the debt's gone and the money's gone, what we did was we continued to fund our family bank, you know, which I've built up over the, the past decade. Then we leveraged, collateralized the life insurance. We actually bought an asset that produces cash flow that's going to pay down the student debt, which we refinanced at a certain level right now. It's going to knock it out in two years. So what we've done there is we've paid off debt by building up two more assets. So when the student debt is completely wiped out in two years, there's still going to be three more years in the specific investment of cash flow. Mm -hmm. So we're gonna recover our entire principal and have a return on that. The debt is completely gone and then the money in the life insurance contract is still growing tax free. Wow. That is wow. just amazing. <laughs> I mean, this is when you talk about having your money work as hard as possible, like that's it right there, right? So that you can focus on doing other things that's more important and your money's out there doing the work for you, right? The epitome of rich dad, poor dad. So love that. Yep. And wow. one thing that I would add to that too, there's a lot of financing involved with that. Mm -hmm. um, it's, a, it's a big lesson that, that I learned early on that I always continue to share too, that the financing of a specific, and the, the strategy and the financing is just the most important part of anything because you have a kind of a piece of real estate, you can have another a business, you can have any other assets, mm -hmm. you know, that's just there. It's the person with the best strategy and the best financing that's, that's yeah. going to make a success out of it. Yep. Love it. So I just want to recap for our listeners real quick because that that's such a powerful strategy. So I want to make sure people don't miss it. So what you did essentially was instead of just taking cash and paying out your student loan premiums every month, instead mm -hmm. what you did was you set up this multi-tier system essentially, right? So yep. you've got your whole life insurance, which is your family bank. Yep. And then from that, you didn't just take that and plug it into the, the student loans either. You added another level where yep. you then took that whole life insurance policy and you use funds from that, your equity from that to then purchase a cash flowing real estate asset. And then from that, then you paid off the student loans, which is just brilliant. Yep. All right. Okay, so I just want to make sure everybody got that because it's just something that most people don't ever think about. Which also, when you think about that, somebody else is actually paying down your loan, right? I mean, because somebody's paying you through that real estate investment, um, which is 
<laughs> and you I, and tell people that somebody else is paying your student loans, they'll, they'll be like, what? How? Yeah. But that's how. <laughs> and, I, I, and I don't want to complicate this even more, but just if, if I can get specific on one yes. more thing, one yeah. aspect that I didn't yeah. even touch on in that strategy is the, the investment was actually, it was a, it was a shale, shale gas one. So now you have your money growing tax-free in the insurance contract, you leverage that to invest in an asset which provides 100% depreciation first uh -huh. year or bonus depreciation. So there's a very nice tax incentive on your taxes that produces your taxes within the, the same calendar year. There's the student loan interest deduction that you're getting on the other side. And so there's a tax angle on that too. So not only did you build up two assets to pay off a liability, but there's also tax incentives on all of those stages. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. So I didn't it's want that, to get it too complicated, but it's it's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah. It's that fourth <laughs> pillar you were talking about, the cash control that goes through all of it. Yep. yep absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So you're investing for more time for your family. You are investing in very creative ways to make your money work for you. So final question is how are you investing in the world? What's one thing you're doing right now to make the world a better place? We talk a lot about uh, legacy and leaving a legacy. And so one of the things, and that's one of the reasons why I have a, a two podcasts, because people say, why do you have two? So Cashflow Ninjas out there on the you know, all over the world providing those strategies. The Cashflow Investing Secrets is also kind of a, a legacy play. We're in 10 minutes or less, for the, especially for the younger generation. I leave certain principles that you know, the, the goal behind it was if I had to leave something for my son and my daughter mm. to guide them through the process. And I'm sharing that on all of these different platforms for free with folks uh, out there. So we're putting out a lot of free content. And then there's also folks that I mentor in my area. So again, I'm freeing up more time to be able to invest more time in others, if that makes sense. And this yeah. is outside of the charitable stuff. That's more just the, the financial stuff. I think that the impact is leaving things to change and reach other people's lives and yep. change their lives. And then also invest in around your community and also mentor other folks and invest some of your time in them. I think that's very, very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's so much of what Annie and I always talk about and why we do what we do is really like the driving force behind everything that we do as well is, you know, we feel like the world could be so different if people understood how to utilize money in a more powerful way that, that really empowers them, you know, to, to live a better life or to help other people. And, and that's so much of what we do. So I uh, appreciate that. And thank you for all the, the work that you do and putting out all of this content. I will definitely have my kids listen to that one. Uh, my <laughs> daughter's turning eight in February, so she's primed awesome. and ready. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. I'm sure we've just skimmed the surface. There's so much we've talked about. So if and when people want to connect with you and learn more, where's the best place they can go, MC? Uh, cashflowninja.com is our website, our podcast. And if folks are interested in some of the collateralization strategies, there's a free course I did, uh, videos. I think there's about six videos uh, at yourownbankingsystem.com. So it's your yourownbankingsystem.com if they want to learn more about the strategies, you know, one of which I just shared, but there's uh, several of those that we share on those videos if they're interested. 
Awesome. Well, we'll be sure to link to both of those in the show notes. Well, MC Lobsher, creator and host of the Cashflow Ninja and the Cashflow Investing Secrets podcast. Thank you so much for being here with us today, MC. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a lot of fun and uh, really appreciate you guys and uh, congratulations on, on the show and all of your success. Thank you. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast. And be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.